You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, this is Katie Lockwood, a primary care physician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm talking today about subconscious racial bias, and my guest today is Dr. Tiffany Johnson, who's an attending physician in the Division of Emergency Medicine and a researcher with the CHOP Policy Lab. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So let's start right with the definition. So subconscious or implicit biases involve associations outside your conscious awareness that lead to a negative evaluation of a person on the basis of irrelevant characteristics such as race or gender. We're specifically going to talk about race for today, just because this is a big enough topic to tackle that we have to kind of break it down. So can you clarify how a subconscious bias is different than a stereotype? So I would define stereotypes as... um classifying all um, members of one group as having the same attribute and those Mm -hmm. stereotypes can be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. So an example is that um, all Asians are good at math, which is a positive stereotype. Or um, all African Americans are good at sports, which is a positive stereotype. Mm -hmm. Or women are not good at math, which is a negative stereotype. Um, But you kind of ascribe anyone who falls into that group to having those exact same characteristics. Mm -hmm. Whereas biases, on the other hand, are beliefs that a person, a group, or idea um, is better than another person, group, or idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, you can have um, a bias that whites are better than blacks, but still hold that stereotype that blacks are greater at at sports. So I think that there are two um, separate but related constructs. And Mm -hmm. I think that our stereotypes can be activated consciously or unconsciously, Mm -hmm. and our unconscious biases can influence our stereotypes. So they're related but distinct constructs. So do healthcare professionals exhibit subconscious bias at the same rate as the general population? Because I would assume that we would be lower. So um, research shows that being a healthcare professional does not make you immune from being a human being. Mm -hmm. And so healthcare professionals, similar to the general population, have unconscious bias um, related to race and ethnicity. Most healthcare providers um, have an unconscious preference for whites over blacks or a pro-white, anti-black bias. Mm -hmm. And I think when um, you think about it, it kind of makes sense um, because even though um, physicians may have a higher education or even a higher socioeconomic status, they're still exposed to many of the same things in society mm-hmm. that can influence your unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure you're still on Twitter and still mm-hmm. see some of the same um, mm-hmm. kind of negative stereotypes about African-Americans that can sometimes activate unconscious biases. Right. You, when you um, watch television, um, are exposed to some of the same television shows, mm-hmm. which may negatively characterize African-Americans and impact your unconscious biases. Mm -hmm. Um, You see the same things on the news. Um, So being a physician, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, does not immune you from having implicit bias. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because it's it's not like um, certain people sort careers by their bias level, right? right? You don't say, like, I'm not very biased, so I'll become a (laughs) doctor. (laughs) Right. And I'd like to believe 
that um, being a physician and especially being a pediatrician mm -hmm. um, may lead to you having less explicit bias. Um, that may or may not be true, though. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, um, you know, that when there are a lot of things that you can do to mm -hmm. have more fame and fortune than um, right. being, being a pediatrician. And so I think that in general, people who go into healthcare go into healthcare with egalitarian attitudes, right. especially pediatric providers. Right. And we don't go into healthcare saying, like, I just want to do the best job taking right. care of rich white patients. Right. Um, we go into healthcare wanting to take great care of everyone who walks through our doors. Right. Um, but despite those self-reported egalitarian attitudes, mm -hmm. we still have many of the same unconscious biases as the general population. Mm -hmm. And even though they're unconscious, they still have the potential to impact our verbal and non-communication, verbal communication, mm -hmm. as well as our decision making. Right. Well, like you said, we're not doctors in a bubble. We still exactly. go home and watch TV exactly. and with our friends and exactly. our family members mm -hmm. and other things. So. So what are some of the determinants of bias then? Are there certain um, socio-demographic characteristics of those who are more susceptible to bias? So personally don't like to think that there are things that determine your bias like mm -hmm. it's predetermined and hardwired into you and I think that the literature is actually going more towards that direction so when this concept of implicit bias first came out a, a lot of people did think it was like hardwired into you and it couldn't change mm -hmm. but there's a growing body of literature showing that our implicit biases are actually malleable and they can change over time so I don't think that there are determinants of bias like the way there's social right. determinants of health but I think that there are factors that can influence our unconscious bias biases in a positive or negative way. Mm -hmm. Similarly, I don't think that um, any social demographic characteristics determine what your bias is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, because again, um, I think rich people live in the same world as poor people live in. And mm -hmm. so I don't think being rich or poor um, um, results in you being more biased or, or less biased mm -hmm. when it comes to race and ethnicity necessarily. Um, and even being African-American or being Hispanic doesn't necessarily immune you from having bias. Mm -hmm. So there is some research to suggest that um, when it comes to healthcare providers specifically, mm -hmm. that um, black healthcare providers overall have less bias than white healthcare providers, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't make us immune. Um, so when you actually look at the, this is kind of getting very researchy and technically, mm -hmm. but when you look at the IET scores, um, um, so when you look at bias as measured by the implicit association test, the mean score may indicate overall no bias. Bias, but there's a large standard deviation. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that within a group, you have some um, black providers who have a strong pro-white bias. Mm -hmm. You have some black providers that have a strong pro-black bias mm -hmm. and everything in between. And when you put us all in a bowl, it's a mean of no bias. Right. But so um, I think that that's important to know that even though blacks on average have less bias, it doesn't make you immune because mm -hmm. I don't want anyone who is right. an African-American provider listening right. to this it, thing oh, like, oh, I'm, I'm black, fine. I can't have yeah. bias. Right. Um, and similarly, actually, um, most um, Hispanic and Asian providers have similar levels of bias as um, as white healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to think like, well, I'm a Latino, so I can't have right. any bias. Or right. even like, I'm a female, so I can't have any gender bias. Mm -hmm. Or I'm, hetero I'm homosexual, so I can't have any bias right. based on sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. I think we're all potentially susceptible to bias. Mm -hmm. yeah. and it, but it's reassuring <laughs> to hear that it's malleable. That mm -hmm. if we do have this bias and we uncover it in ourselves, that it doesn't mean that, well, all hope is lost. Right. I'm always going to have these views. Mm -hmm. so. That's, that's reassuring. You mentioned the IIT. So 
um, how can we reveal and figure out what our own, since it is subconscious, mm -hmm. how can we figure that out? So one of the ways that you can um, examine and explore some of your unconscious biases is through the implicit association test. Mm -hmm. I will say that I have no financial relationship with Project Implicit. I wish I did. I wish I got <laughs> like a dollar every time I told someone to take the IAT, but I don't. Um, but so Project Implicit, um, um, they're the founders and they, they developed the implicit association test. So it's a group um, that includes, um, I believe, Harvard, the University of Virginia and the University of Washington. Mm -hmm. And um, it was made by um, psychologists psychologist who developed this um, instrument to help evaluate your unconscious attitude. So if you guys just Google Project Implicit, mm -hmm. you can actually log on to explore your unconscious biases. The most common implicit association test or IAT that's used is the race IAT, mm -hmm. which helps to determine whether you have a stronger association of white or black with goodness or badness. Mm -hmm. But there are also lots of other interesting IATs based on gender, sexual orientation, political party, ethnicity. Mm -hmm. um, so I would encourage you all to um, log on and explore or some of your unconscious attitudes. Mm -hmm. I will say um, the caveat that the IAT is not like a DSM diagnostic tool, right? right? So, um, so it doesn't pop out uh, again like you're exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, interestingly, in one of the studies that I did, um, one of the first studies using the IAT that I did in the emergency department, um, you know, we told the residents we were looking at kind of like your attitudes and beliefs. We didn't say it was about right. racial bias, but by like three or four days into it, residents were coming we're up to me on. saying like. All right, Tiffany, I'm ready to take that test to see how racist I am. Um, so I um, will say that it doesn't like diagnose your racism. Um, and so it's not used. Um, I don't use it as a tool to diagnose people, but I think it is an important tool to help um, explore attitudes that you may not be aware of and to generate thought and discussion that you probably typically wouldn't have. And so that's the way I would encourage More you to use the IT. self reflection. Exactly. Questioning yourself mm -hmm. and learning from that. Great. So. Can you give us some examples of what uh, subconscious bias may look like clinically in terms of how we treat our patients? Mm -hmm. So um, there is a pretty robust body of literature showing that our unconscious attitudes impact patient-provider communication. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one of the most important ways and that mm -hmm. it may manifest. So when you walk into a patient's room, even though, again, you may walk in with um, a self-reported egalitarian attitudes right. to take the best care of every patient, mm -hmm. but your unconscious um, attitudes may impact the warmth of your communication style mm -hmm. with your with your families um, as a pediatric um, provider. It may impact your, um, your nonverbal communication, like the amount of eye contact that you make, mm -hmm. um, the number of questions that you ask your patient, mm -hmm. um, how much um, talk time ratio you have um, in terms of how much you're talking at them versus how much you're listening to them. Um, and as a result of that, patients actually, um, even though these things are activated unconsciously, patients pick up on that verbal and nonverbal communication right. and it impacts um, their satisfaction with the visit as well as their um, desires to be compliant with the treatment recommendations mm -hmm. of the providers. So that's one way in which our unconscious attitudes can impact us mm -hmm. um, in terms of patient-provider communication. I know this is a podcast for general pediatricians, I believe, and so that communication is yeah. um, a really a um, <laughs> really important part of what you do. Um, and then the other way that it can potentially manifest itself is through um, disparities in treatment um, mm -hmm. decisions. So it can result if your unconscious attitudes um, may impact what you include in your differential diagnosis. Right. So for example, there's research that shows that when presenting with 
with um, lower GU complaints, African-American females are more likely to get STI testing than white females. Mm -hmm. So um, so again, the, your unconscious biases may impact um, what diagnostic testing you're doing, what um, things are included in your differential diagnosis, mm -hmm. and it can also potentially impact your treatment decisions for things like um, prescription of um, analgesics, like mm -hmm. narcotic versus non-narcotic medications for your patients. So all the way through, from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. So I think that the literature on exactly, so there's a, that robust body of literature on how it impacts communication, mm -hmm. the literature on how it impacts treatment decisions, mm -hmm. I think there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. Sure. So most of the work that has been done on that has used clinical vignettes. But mm -hmm. if you think about yourself as a provider, right. when you're sitting down reading a case that says a patient is yeah. black or white, um, it doesn't necessarily activate a lot of right. the same attitudes as when you're actually sitting in front of right. a real patient. So we need a lot more real world studies right. to help really determine how our implicit bias impacts our treatment decisions. Mm -hmm. Great. Did you hear that? That's a call to action <laughs> for more research. Anyone who's listening. Anyone who wants to help find more research. <laughs> so is this a two-way street? How does our patients' implicit bias affect the care that we're, that we're giving? Are they maybe thinking, I don't want to listen to what she's saying because of their own bias? Mm -hmm. So I think that, again, just like physicians aren't immune from bias because right. they're physicians. Our patients live in the same society in the same America that we live in and mm -hmm. they may have implicit biases. Um, although I personally, my work is focused on looking at bias at the provider level mm -hmm. and most of the literature has focused on providers and not actually measuring IT scores of patients. Mm -hmm. um, but um, some of the ways that it may be manifested is um, through um, potentially like internalized racism. Mm -hmm. So you can have, um, we recognize that when you live in society, um, when you're from a minority group such as like African-Americans or Latinos um, and you are uh, experiencing racism in society, sometimes that racism can become internalized. Mm -hmm. And so that can manifest sometimes as being an African-American mother mm -hmm. who sees an African-American provider and assumes, well, they must not be as smart as the white provider and I'd rather have a white doctor. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had colleagues in my specialty who have had those experiences that are like incredibly heartbreaking right. when you're like a black woman working right. um, in a healthcare setting and, um, and a black patient doesn't want you to be their doctor because right. of some of that internalized racism where they assume based on their biases, which can be conscious or unconscious, that you must not be mm -hmm. um, as, as smart or as capable as, as your white colleagues. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're kind of getting that from the white patients mm -hmm. and from the minority mm -hmm. patients because of that racism that... Mm -hmm. Um, is so deep. It's interesting and sad. Um, so after we take the IAT, what are some ways that we can reduce our own subconscious bias? Is there anything we can do about it? So I think the first step is just being aware. Um, so one of the examples that I use related to that is um, not necessarily a racial bias, but a way in which my bias was exposed to me. Uh -huh. um, so when I was a pediatric resident, I was working in the NICU and um, I had a family who would come in every day. I would kind of give them updates and explain everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. And then one day the father asked me, do you have something against men? And I said, oh my goodness, like, no wonder I'm single. No, like, I love men. I don't have anything against men. What do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm here every day with my wife. And when I, we come in, you, like, don't make eye contact with me. You explain to her what's going on. You ask her if you have any questions. You never ask me if I have any questions. And it was something that I was doing so automatically because mm -hmm. I think I had been habituated based on prior experiences mm -hmm. um, and conditioned to believe that men don't really know what's going on with their kids or right. maybe they're not really interested. Right. The mom's um, in charge. 
Right. right. So on a, on an unconscious level, I wasn't even aware of it. I was just directing all of my information, all of my questions towards the mom. Right. And so um, when he pointed it out to me, especially like being a pediatric resident, like thank God my attending wasn't there when he said it. <laughs> but I was really embarrassed by it. Right. Um, and but if he didn't point it out to me, mm-hmm. I would still be unaware of it. Mm-hmm. And so my bias hasn't necessarily changed. So to be honest with you, I work in the emergency department now. Mm-hmm. When there are two parents in the emergency room, I think I still believe that mom usually knows more about what's going on in the day. But because someone pointed it out to me, Mm -hmm. I'm able to stop and pause and consciously make an effort to look back and forth between Mm -hmm. mom and dad when I'm explaining what's going on, consciously make an effort to ask questions of dad Mm -hmm. when I'm gathering the history because I'm aware of it now. And so I think I'm better equipped to prevent it from impacting the way I communicate with my families and their satisfaction with care and the quality of care that I'm providing with my patients. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one example of how my biases were exposing me because somebody called me out. Um, I think we're fortunate enough that like, well, I think we're, we're polite enough that our colleagues don't necessarily point out to us when, mm. when we may be being biased or our residents or our students or even our parents. Mm-hmm. So the IAT is one tool in which you can help explore what some of your unconscious biases are mm-hmm. with a goal that if you become more aware of it, like don't let it paralyze you to make you think that you're a horrible human being because right. there's like no value judgment associated with it. Mm-hmm. But how do you use that to recognize like, huh, I didn't realize I had this and kind of check some of those biases at the door mm-hmm. when you walk in to engage with a parent. Mm-hmm. When you're making decisions, maybe can you use it to think twice about like, well, why did I refer this patient mm-hmm. for child protection services evaluation, but I didn't refer this patient? Or why did I prescribe oxycodone for this patient versus Motrin for this patient? Right. And just think twice. So I think that that's one way. Mm-hmm. Um, there is unfortunately not a lot of research in healthcare that um, has looked at how we reduce implicit bias and its impact on um, communication and medical decision making in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So maybe in like five to seven years, if you invite me back for a podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll have some of that. But I think that we can learn from what's being done outside of healthcare. And so one of what I think is the most promising things is looking at mindfulness Mm -hmm. as a strategy for reducing implicit bias. So I think that mindfulness has a lot of benefits in overall reducing our stress and overall helping us Mm -hmm. to kind of better empathize with our patients and going Mm -hmm. from that fast thinking to slow thinking. Mm -hmm. And there's a growing body of research that shows that mindfulness is an effective strategy at reducing um, implicit bias, Mm -hmm. both in the short term as well as in the long term. So I would say that if there was one tool I would encourage you guys to explore, Mm -hmm. consider developing a mindfulness practice to help you reduce your implicit bias. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that uh, one reason maybe that mindfulness works is that biases come out more when you're stressed Mm -hmm. and rushed and when you have that time pressure so is that is that why mindfulness seems to be a leader in in terms of like an intervention that might work yeah I think so yeah exactly so I think that um bias and stereotypes are heuristics Mm -hmm. um and so we're more likely to rely on heuristics when we're under um lots of cognitive load which can include time pressure and stress so I think mindfulness is is um kind of one way for us to kind of slow down and not just do that fast thinking and fast associations but Mm -hmm. to kind of slow down our thinking so that we can think about an individual as an individual instead of to the group that they're ascribed to Mm -hmm. right great and so outside of patient care how does subconscious bias impact things like medical education and faculty appointments and with that i'll say not many of the primary care physicians in the network are on a faculty track but Mm -hmm. certainly 
in our offices, it would still affect things like just recruitment of new staff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think that this question ties in well to the last question when you talked about, well, like, what can we do to reduce our bias? Mm -hmm. One additional strategy for reducing bias is increasing um, opportunities for cross-cultural contact. Mm -hmm. So um, I think as human beings, we have a tendency towards homophily. Mm -hmm. And we like to be around people who think like us and who look like us and who act like us. Um, but when all of your friends look and think exactly like you and when all of your family looks and thinks exactly like you and all of your colleagues look and think mm -hmm. exactly like you, then sometimes your attitudes towards um, groups that are different than yours are only based on the stereotypes of what you encounter right. in um, the news and in the media. Mm -hmm. um, so increasing opportunity for contact, contact with um, people of different racial groups, ethnic groups, um, different sexual orientation can mm -hmm. sometimes help to deactivate some of those biases. Mm -hmm. And I think similarly, when it comes to um, diversity in the workforce, um, there is one of the recommendations when the um, Institute of Medicine released their report, Unequal Treatment, mm -hmm. um, increasing workforce diversity was one of those strategies um, suggested for reducing disparities in care. Mm -hmm. So we know that there are lots of benefits to um, diversity, mm -hmm. um, including the fact that just being around, having different people People, um, in the population, it helps to generate different research ideas. Mm -hmm. It helps to kind of generate different kind of thoughts. Um, and so I think that that's something that we really need to work on um, as a primary care network here, but also mm -hmm. nationally. Mm -hmm. We know that racial and ethnic minorities are underrepresented in medicine in comparison to the general population. Mm -hmm. um, and there um, are lots of different reasons for that underrepresentation, mm -hmm. but implicit bias is potentially one of those reasons as well. So I think that as we think about um, kind of training and interventions aimed at unconscious bias, um, it should be from the bottom to the top as well as from, from the top to the bottom. Right. And how do we help train people who are in these decision-making roles um, to identify their unconscious biases and also make systematic ways to be able to um, reduce the impact of those biases on decisions um, about who, who we're hiring. Mm. This is so fascinating. We could talk to you for like 10 hours on this and still not be done. So tell us where we can find some of your research and what you're doing um, and where, where we can find you in general if we want to learn more. Um, I would say um, going to the Policy Lab website mm -hmm. um, where you can find um, a couple of blogs that I've written related to my work as well as um, links to my publication mm -hmm. and also learning more about um, others who are in Policy Lab who are doing work um, related to health equity. So a lot of my work is focused on um, racial and ethnic inequities in care and unconscious bias, but we have lots of other investigators who are also doing really important work around um, disparities in the education system mm -hmm. and looking at issues around um, like childhood obesity and food insecurity or doing mm -hmm. um, important work around um, immigrant populations or patients with limited English proficiency. So if you want to mm -hmm. learn more about um, health equity and the work that's being done here at CHOP, then the um, Policy Lab page is a great place to start. Great. We will link to that on our website, which is www.chop.edu slash podcast. I'll also put some links to some of Tiffany's papers there that are awesome that she's being humble about. Um, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. This is a hard topic to do in such a short period mm -hmm. of time. So. so with that in mind, yeah. I will say that... Um, uh, thinking about implicit bias isn't like a one and done. Yeah. So I don't want anyone to think like, oh, I listened to that podcast, <laughs> like check, like I'm not biased anymore. Or yep, I took the IIT, check, right. I'm done. Right. So I hope people think of this as like kind of 
continuous lifelong learning right. um, because again our biases didn't get created overnight right. and we're not going to be able to kind of undo them overnight so I hope that everyone thinks about this as like this is a first step, step yeah. dipping your toe in the water right. and you will continue to work on um, on learning um, about mm-hmm. bias and how it impacts patient care and learning about strategies to reduce them across the course of your career. Love it. That's the perfect way to end. So thanks so much for joining us and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat. Thank you.